<laughs> I told you, doing a podcast when you're tired is the best time to do a podcast. And so we go. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Second Term Buckle Podcast. Your favorite podcast to feature two people talking about wrestling. Never been done before, often imitated, never duplicated. Crash you know, Andrews. I've been I've been meaning to ask you, am I the Ric Flair in this scenario? <laughs> in what way? Well, you, you seem to like tell me the topics and then you let me run. You you interject every once in a while, but I'm like, I don't really come up with anything for this show. I don't do any prep. You surprise me with the answers. Or the question. Yeah. Who knows what the answers are? Jeez. Um mm. I feel like I feel like I'm the Ric Flair in this situation. Does that make me the mean by God gene? Woo! That's my answer. That's yes, my answer. Does. Yeah. Fair enough. Bye, God. Well, my friend, it's unfortunate that we have absolutely nothing to talk about <laughs> for this week's show. <laughs> Well, well, let's let's get it out of the way. Did Bray Wyatt wrestle this week? Survey says. Yeah, no. Nope. One more for the good guys. Nope. Oh boy. So, we're we're now at a very interesting time for this podcast is I feel like a lot of wrestling fans are at a very interesting time right now with wrestling in general with wrestling in general I would say uh, I think you know we're going to look back at early 2023 for a very long time to come <laughs> who who would have thought that when you and I sat down and said man doing a podcast would be awesome that brawl out wasn't the batshit crazy we'd encounter <laughs> in in our first 20 episodes between brawl out between vince mcmahon coming back between bray wyatt bray wyatt coming back and not fucking wrestling oh, <laughs> oh, wrestling oh, oh, oh. rumble i'm sure listen listen this i know this isn't a video podcast so this won't really mean anything to anybody but you're going to go forward with it anyway. I'm going to go for it. Yeah, I, I bought a Mountain Dew Pitch Black, which sponsors the Pitch Black match between LA Knight and Bray Wyatt. At, uh, at, that's, that's why it's a Pitch Black match. What is a Pitch Black match? I don't know. Maybe they're going to chug as much Mountain Dew as they can, and whoever burps first wins. I, I don't Do you I got think... You, I got do you, you recall... Two. I got the Chris Jericho Orange Cassidy Mimosa Mayhem match. <laughs> Hold on. Ready? Hold on. It did. There you go. It, yeah. it took a second, but we got yep. there. There it is. Pitch Black Mountain Dew. Uh, my only hope is that this match is literally wrestled under complete darkness so that we can still question whether or not Bray Wyatt has actually wrestled on television since returning. That literally tastes like nothing. I'm not, I'm not even memeing. That literally tastes like nothing. It's carbonated nothing. No it's hint like, of grape or anything? No, no! It's like pitch black taste. It smells, smells like Mountain Dew. Do I have COVID? <laughs> maybe, just maybe. So, let's, let's get the, uh, uh, let's get the, the it fun has no stuff. Taste. This has no taste. Okay. I hope the match performs better than this pop does because this that is amazingly tasteless and not like the podcast usually is. Fair. You have stalled with your Mountain Dew pitch black <laughs> review for as long as you possibly can. Uh, we Fair. will not have doors this week. Okay. Because. Uh, this podcast, much like the WWE, the, the doors have been blown off the hinges. Fair. Very In fair. the past week, since last week's show, Stephanie McMahon has resigned from the WWE. Vince McMahon is now once again leading the show. 
Although, don't worry, with two separate talent meetings, they will they will ensure that mm-hmm. one Triple H is still head of creative for how mm-hmm. fucking long. Uh, Vince McMahon's in charge of the WWE again. And I, go ahead. We Keep contemplated going. a spur of the moment show when full uh, Saudi panic was in full effect. Um, history proved that it was the right decision to hold off in that regard. Um, but that just adds to the insanity of the week. Uh, boy, you thought you thought it was exhausting trying to follow everything in the aftermath of Raw out. That's uh that was a tall order and they absolutely killed it. Like as far as the most talked about thing arguably in this decade, we've already hit it in the first three years. Like, I don't know how any news story, I do know one way and it's tasteless and I don't want to go there because WWE would still continue the show. Um, Mm. I don't know how we would have any other story top the last week that we've seen in WWE. I, it, it was senseless. It, it didn't make any sense. Every little bit created mass hysteria. It created panic. And to your credit, we talked about, I was, I was like, emergency podcast? You're like, no, let's see how it plays out. Right in the middle of Saudi mania. Like, it was just insane to watch the timeline on social media just erupt. And for nothing to come of it mm. was almost as insane as being in the middle of it and and watching it all happen. Yeah, so the only hmm, the only where the only only place the only place where I could think of where to go. There we go. Words difficult. Mm -hmm. (sighs) While a sale has not happened and still likely won't happen for however long, my interest in the company while it was already significantly dropping continues to drop to new lows that I I couldn't really envision them dropping to. And it's a shame because there is that part of me that grew up watching this company that wants to be excited. Like the Royal rumble WrestleMania season. I see on Twitter, Cody Rhodes has announced he's coming back at the rumble because they're doing a, a triple H return where they tell you about it in advance more than like the John Cena surprise return. And that's perfectly fine. Um, but you know, it, it would, it just, it would take a hell of a lot more, like the amount that I would have to overlook as a fan. I just cannot do. I don't know how much I will have to contribute to WWE related discussions on this podcast. It could very well turn into an AEW slash wrestling history related podcast. Welcome to the AE unofficial AEW podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, like even some of the names, some of the companies that are out there. I mean, if you really wanted to look deep down, you know, there's they're not the best companies in the world. I've got a favorite, but I also know that that favorite has got staff management issues, you know, treating their staff like garbage. And I'm not talking Amazon, even though their name is in there. Mm. I know if I looked deep down, you know, there's probably, uh, there's probably Saudi money invested into it. Um, I'm, I'm trying to stay positive. I'm trying. Let's be honest here. The state of WWE. Call it a month ago. Like, we haven't really been a big fan of the product over the past few weeks. But the state of WWE, even a month ago, wasn't really in the best shape. And now Vince is here to sell it. And we're kind of looking back and saying, oh man, like, what about WrestleMania 18? Rock Hogan. Like, they're going to tarnish that reputation. What about... Brett Sean Iron Man match. What about 
you know, everything that we just grew up with? What about the body slam heard round the world? And now it almost feels tainted because they're going to sell it. A, B, it's been really hard to be excited about some of the players that are in the game of buying this. Like I said, I do have a favorite out there, but even trying to explain why it's a favorite, everybody else, not everybody, I don't mean to paint every with a huge brush here, but I've even had to defend why I think it's a, a good idea for company X to buy the company when people have already made a decision on how that company is going to be treating the WWE. It is an absolute bizarre time. This isn't knocking down a door, biting a guy on the arm and a dog being involved. This is like the, the, the foundation of professional wrestling over the past 50 years. Mm. Like the absolute winner right now is looking like an absolute loser just because of what's happened in the past seven days. Whether or not it's ultimately bought by essentially the Saudi Arabian government, let's be honest. You can call it by its official name, uh, the same ownership group that has that 80% controlling stake for Newcastle United. Uh, Saudi Arabian government, let's be honest. Whether or not it's bought by them and used as a primary tool for sports washing, whether or not it's bought by Disney, uh, Comcast, uh, Netflix, and Amazon, like, it just doesn't erase the, really what was sold to kind of wrestling fans of, of my generation and, and older, which was the idea of, damn it, this is a family-owned business. And that was a point of emphasis when he was getting sued in the 90s. This is a family-owned business. And I'm going to pass on this bit. Like the Howard, uh, clip from a Howard Stern interview in like 2001 was being passed around. Oh, what happens to the company in the future? Goes to my kids. Right. And okay, your kids have the company and then you power play it to the point where neither of them are involved anymore. And it, <laughs> Nick Khan is my son now. That's <laughs> kind of what's happened. I just, it's all so gross. It really is. And yeah. I've mentioned that before, you know, on the show. It's just the idea of, like, I was already kind of grossed out by a lot of stuff that WWE does. Um, and just Vince McMahon being back there, it's like, oh, but we're celebrating 30 years of Raw next week. And here we're going to trot out all the legends again. Cool. Oh, the Royal Rumble's coming up at the end of the month. And that's neat. Yeah, most of the time, there have been a lot of shit rumbles. It's like, oh, but aren't you excited for Bianca versus Alexa? Should be. No. Should be, but no. Aren't you excited for the pitch black match? That's it. Hold on. Let me try another sip here. Yeah, try <laughs> another sip. Let me know what you think. Is this a, is this a house of horrors, or how about a WrestleMania with uh, creepy crawlies projected onto the mat? What type of pitch black match is this? I don't. I don't, I, I don't understand it. Like it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily leave a bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> Is it just a different colored Mountain Dew? No, because Mountain Dew has like that citrus taste and this says citrus punch. Uh -huh. But I legitimately like, I can maybe taste a little bit of the sugariness or whatever, but like, it's not like, like Baja Blast has got like more of a lime flavor to it. Than regular? Yeah, there's... I don't know. No, Ed, rewind a week. I said, like, even the worst Royal Rumble I can get behind because it's the Royal Rumble. Everything that's happened in the past week, I really don't want to touch Royal Rumble. This is the worst timing for a fan like myself because I get jacked up for Royal Rumble. My son and I, we watched a little bit of Raw. Raw was so slow. The pacing was so, it almost felt like the wrestlers didn't know what was going to happen. And it, it was kind of clouding everything that was happening on Raw this week. Mm. For like the 20 minutes that I watched, like the uh, Becky and Bailey had a promo 
uh, contr- damage control came out with Bailey. It was just a really bad one-on-one interaction between the two of them. Uh, just there was, you could tell that the promo had an elephant in the room, and they didn't want to hint at anything to do with it. Therefore, they they just stunk up the place with with. Uh, there's no excitement, which, I mean. Sugs, I know you. If you had tickets to be in Cincinnati, you know, all expenses paid, somebody paid your own way, you got your hotel, you got all your food, and you had two tickets to Raw this week, you would have traded them in for a flight home. And that's uh, yeah. I don't I, I don't anybody I don't think anybody would have blamed you. But like the where it just automatically went to the Saudis, which makes sense in the whole McMahon multiverse See, <laughs> that is the thing it. is that there is a reason why that report caught on like yeah. it did even if there was so little basis in fact is because it's believable of course it's believable because yeah. they've been doing business with the saudis for years now right they did business with the saudis continually after that government had somebody murdered in a fucking embassy <laughs> I even I even saw somebody trying to justify why Sami Zayn um should continue with WWE if Saudi Arabia the kingdom of Saudi Arabia owned WWE. And I'm like this it is could where be we're a change at. for good crash. This is where oh but the fans were cheering for him. Like um yeah, because they watch the product. They don't live the life that Sami Zayn's family had to go through over the past generations. Like, we're in such a uh, bizarro world right now where, like, everything is playing out right in front of us. We know too much of what's going on. And the littlest little trigger. Oh, man, the burps don't taste any better either. Uh <laughs> <laughs> the littlest trigger gets everybody riled up to the point that we're now like fantasy booking what's going to happen. Mm. I even did it. I'll, I'll admit, I want Disney to buy WWE because I think they've got the infrastructure. I think they've got everything set up. They don't need to build anything else. And I put it out on Twitter. And ever since, I've had to defend against people who think that Disney means a U or a Y7 TV rating. Because Mickey Mouse is their their head uh, pedestal sitting character, um, Deadpool's going to be out in about a year, <laughs> like, <laughs> and that's a Disney product. Like it's just, I I'm I don't want to call it a trap because I I like I said I'm trying to stay positive with all of it. I'm trying to see where the best case scenario is, but it's also a madman behind the decision. It's also a guy who, I don't think everything that caused him to leave is settled. Like, the dust hasn't fallen back down to the ground of the reason why he left in the first place. And it's been silent enough that he goes, well, I guess I can be CEO again because I have all the control. It's, I I legitimately thought we went through one of the craziest periods in WWE when, uh, when Vince left. When Brawl Out came out, and uh, boy, were we wrong. It's just, it's almost disappointing. Like, we've talked about investment as a fan, and I feel so let down based on the, the investment that I've put in over the past little bit, the past little bit, for damn near 30 years. <laughs> mm. And here we are. Regardless where it goes, like, it, there's something about, I've never really seen WWE as that family business that you kind of talked about mm-hmm. but it does oh, feel weird it does feel weird that it's not going to shane or steph and mm-hmm. when shane went off to i think it was china to run a entertainment company or yeah whatever basically. it was um all signs pointed towards uh paul Levesque and stephanie mcmahon basically running the show and and taking over when vince decided to leave and that's practically what happened and then i'm gonna sell it I'm going to be CEO. I'm going to get creative back. 
Saudi money. <laughs> like <laughs> everything just happened so quickly. And it's, it's even sitting here talking about it. It's like, none of this feels real. And, and I'd love for it to be over. Cause it's just, everything's pointing to stupid stuff. The reaction, uh, the possibilities. Uh, I think we're going to be sitting here and who knows how long it's going to take two months. And, uh, and be like, just, gobsmacked again over what decision Vince McMahon finally made. Bottom line is, as I've kind of talked about, there are, and I've mentioned this elsewhere, like Twitter on Twitch. Mm -hmm. um, in life, you are sometimes going to be left with like, well, here's a company that I, I don't really want to support, but how willing am I to go over the extra hurdles to not have to support it? Um, clothing companies, shoe companies are, are, are a great example of that. Um, we all know as, as people, you know, you and I, I mean, we all, I mean, I, I presume the majority of people listening to this, uh, you, mean, you know, for us born in North America, don't get us wrong. Of course, the United States, Canada, holy fuck that we have our issues. Mm -hmm. uh, but we were born in a fortunate enough situation as compared to other people uh, for example, we know how a lot of the clothes that we wear are made, the shoes, etc. And you can go out of your way to try to make sure that you're not supporting that in any way whatsoever. Right. With the WWE, they're not my only option to support wrestling. Correct. And I'm not saying that the AEW side of things, even the people in charge of it, the Khan family, might be perfect bastions of purity and righteousness um but i know who vince mcmahon is what he stands for his his actions his legacy it's all very well laid out i'm not going to support that company i'm just not going to do it yeah. um for mixed martial arts which i love you know i fell in love with the ufc at first sight in 2003 2004 Around the time here in the States that you started seeing the likes of Tito Ortiz, Chuck Liddell, Ken Shamrock on shows like Best Damn Sports Show, period. Mm -hmm. Getting advertisements there. Um, they used to air the uh, preview shows on like this random ass channel for these pay-per-views. And I could never get one of the pay-per-views. My dad's like, yeah, this would be cool to order, wouldn't it? But he'd never fucking do it. <laughs> um <laughs> Well, my dad was dad a boxing knows. fan and a wrestling fan. Still is. Hey, do you want to um, watch this? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Well, too bad. Sorry, man. <laughs> basically. Um, but I am not going to support a company where Dana White is leading the thing. And that was before the most recent incident involving Dana White in which he has faced no disciplinary action whatsoever. Right. Granted, there are there are other MMA companies I can support. Um, some of those companies make it rather difficult. I will be completely honest, uh, just in terms of the scale that they are uh, very much not on. Um, I don't have to support the WWE. And it's one of those instances where it's like I can make that choice in the case of professional wrestling where I'm, I'm just like, Fuck it. Do I want to spend $50 on it? You know, like financially, can I afford to spend the extra amount of money consistently to make sure that my shirt wasn't made through horrible means? You know, without having to have that kind of inner conflict and a battle of morals, I can just flat out say, fuck the WWE. I'm not going to support them. And that's what I choose to do. Right. Uh, I, I get what you're going. And as I said, I mean, no matter what company you can think of right now outside of like if your mom and dad run an ice cream shop like I bet nickel to dime I don't know what that means um, <laughs> that they might have cut a corner somewhere yeah. to get to opening up that shop to achieve their dream the bigger the brand the bigger the company you're going to find something if you if you comb through or or check the skeletons in the closet like you don't become successful unless you step on somebody you do something nefarious you, it just like that's that's human nature at this point so i mean vince not the uh not the cleanest history and it's been well documented 
But as you said, like on the surface, like how much time do you spend looking at all the, all the bad and just look at the stuff that you enjoy that brings yeah. you happiness? And if you know about all the other stuff and it affects that, make your choice. We're not telling anybody, and we've said this before, like if you're diehard WWE and you're excited about a Saudi owned WWE, go right ahead. Your hard-earned money is your hard-earned money. We're telling you where we're spending ours, and it's really tough. <laughs> and, you know, if it's Comcast, then it's Comcast. If it's Amazon, then it's Amazon. If it's Saudi, it's Saudi. If I want to support Edge, Finn Balor, two amazing um, professional wrestlers, like maybe I just go on YouTube and watch their highlights and not buy their shirts and not buy you know, give them their, the 10 cents of advertising that they get from my one of 40,000 views on whatever highlights they do. Like that's the conscious decision I have to make going forward. I'm with you too. Like Dana White. Um, I don't know about you, but I've seen more of Dana White since he put his hands on his girlfriend or his wife, wife. his wife, mother of his children. (laughs) Um, I've seen more of Dana White doing non-UFC promotion in the past two weeks since that's come out, two or three weeks since that's come out. Uh, he made homemade ravioli. Yeah, and that on was, Friday or some shit like that. That yeah. was really fucking weird. That, that's what I want to see from Dana White as he's gotten zero... There's just no accountability to his actions. And even the press conference that he had where he said, like, what do you want? What do you like? What what makes the most sense? What kind of discipline should I face? All of it. <laughs> mm. Like the fact that you're sitting there doing a press conference for UFC is exactly the opposite of what we're expecting. So it's just a I've said it. I don't know if I've said it on this podcast or not, but. What we're going through, what we're living through is like what the spoofs of like movies in the 90s said the future would be. We're actually living in those spoofs. Mm. (laughs) It's bizarre everything that we've had to uh, uh, experience in entertainment over the past little bit. And it's, it's like somebody in the 90s made it all up. And the 90s were a weird time. (laughs) They weren't the 60s. But holy Hannah, was it a, a bizarre time? And we're just dealing with just dumb stuff. Mm. It wasn't on my bingo card to have to worry about where WWE was going to be sold to. Right. So another reason why I'm not sure how much WWE will talk about is because it's just it's all for the most part rather negative. But at the at the other side, on the flip side of the coin, I should say, on the other hand, is AEW. Where, I mean, the critiques are obviously limited for the most part to just what you see on screen. Unless you wanted to comment on like, well, the Frankie Kazarian left the company and went back to Impact. It's like, yeah, that's what you would expect for someone like that. He was, you know, solid for the beginning stages of AEW. One of their inaugural tag champions went back to Impact so he could work a little bit more. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then it leaves us to like talking about the shows, which I don't know if you saw the last edition of Dynamite, their big show in Los Angeles, which was pretty damn good. It was far from perfect, in my opinion. Um, I praised the shit out of Chris Jericho pretty much for the majority of last year. I thought it was legitimately in ring his best year of his career. Um, His segment with Ricky Starks on last Wednesday was fucking terrible. Absolutely terrible. Um. And, of course, the other major complaint for people would be that uh, there was no Mercedes Monet, despite what could have been taken as a very obvious hint from Brett Baker the week before. Again, I think I think we all fell into the trope of fantasy booking. Potentially. You know, they, they fish hooked us. It. Should it have happened? Arguably, arguably not. But yeah, the, the whole comment of the boss and, and all of that stuff by Britt Baker the week before, like, I don't know. 
you want to expect the unexpected, but you also want to be right in what you're expecting. And I think that's where all the backlash is, is that, oh, she said she's the boss. Well, she look at the dynamic of her and uh, Jamie Hayter. Like, who's the leader of that faction? Who's the leader of that group? And who's the world champion? One's right. the boss. Like, that's Britt Baker's group. It's almost like she's Triple H and Jamie Hayter right now is Batista with the title. And that's why I've said every time, like, we even got the tease, I believe, at, at All Out of those two finally separating and going after each other. And we never got that. Right. And now Jamie Hayter has Britt Baker's belt, if you want to call it that. Um, there, there has to be a blow up between the two at some point. You can't be the leader of the group and not have the title. Like there's no, there's no value in Britt Baker leading the women's champion. She needs to be the women's champion to be the head of the table or whatever you want to call it. Hmm. I don't, I, you know, I don't inherently disagree. Um, also worth noting. Uh, probably, I mean, really, aside from the in-ring work, which was very good, the biggest thing from last Wednesday was the return of Adam Cole. Baby. Which, it yes, which really uh, was a shock. No news was out there whatsoever. Last we had heard was like, oh, they're still worried about his in-ring career. So that was, uh, that'll be up there for one of the segments of the year. <laughs> Easy to say in January, I know. But that was a legitimately great television moment it really led to like the passion that he brought to that promo the fact that it was slightly played babyface even though i think adam cole could play that tweener really well like do really cool stuff while still being a bad guy but you know a, a crowd favorite um there was a little bit where it kind of got to the point of, you know, he was coming back. That was not going to be the retirement speech. Mm -hmm. Like there were hints as he was going on. Um, but the announcement that he's coming back again, I, I, I hate to be, I know it's something that I have inherently in me that every time I watch something, I'm like, okay, how could they have done this better? I would have loved to have seen him call somebody out. I would have loved to have seen somebody come down and start that feud because now we're going to wait. And I don't know if waiting for Adam Cole to come back and now waiting for to see where Adam Cole's feud is going to be. I think I would have rather have seen him call out somebody for that next program that he's going to be working on. Was it a terrible segment? Not at all. Not at all. But I'd love to see what he's doing next and him leaving with only calling out the locker room saying I'm back. That was left left a lot to be desired in, in my books. I uh, can agree to disagree, and I am perfectly OK with that. The other AEW thing of note outside of uh, Dynamite is the word has come down. That Sting's AEW contract ends at some point this year. And once that deal is up, he is done. I call bullshit. His AEW run has been so much fucking better than anybody could have expected. And I think I'm very intrigued to see how they choose to send him off and really what he wants to do on right. the way out. You know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, put over Darby Allen. I don't think you need to do that match necessarily like i don't think you need to necessarily have the mentor versus the uh the student as the way to to do it but you know it's it's the obvious option that i think people will go for i think i think it's a good option for them to do i don't think it happens the way that you and i were talking at the end of uh darby allen grabbing the the tbs title again um mm. or the tnt sorry the tnt title um, where one of them turned on each other. I think it very much could be, this is my last match and I want to have it with you kind of thing. And they both raise each other's hands at the end or whatever. I say, I call bullshit though, because we've talked about it. I think a cinematic match with the undertaker still could be something down the road. I don't think it's in ring. 
but I do think that, you know, we finally get that closure to both of their careers. I think if we don't get that, I think that's going to be one of the biggest question marks in professional wrestling history. The biggest what if uh, that could come out of wrestling again in the past 50 years. What would that look like? And I don't care that they're 60. I don't care if it's in when they're in their 70s. That's the benefit of the cinematic match. You can cut out all the stuff that they mess up and deliver an amazing story between the two. But I don't think anybody saw what Sting has been able to do in the past two years in AEW. Maybe three years? Two years? Two years. Two over, just over two now. Yeah. Um, I don't think anybody would have seen what he's been able to accomplish in AEW when he, uh, when he left WWE. I thought that buckle bomb, I, I cringe every time I see a Seth Rollins buckle bomb now. Mm. And it's not because of Sting. It's always been a, a crazy spot, but it ruined Finn Balor for a bit. And we almost lost Sting's in, in ring career, but good on him to, to know that he still had a little bit left in the tank. But what a career, too. Amazing, amazing performer. That brings us to our look back at some of the events on this day, January 16th in wrestling history. Our first note, and again, I want to thank, as always, uh, TJRWrestling.net, a wonderful resource uh, for this information. Who knows? Maybe that's what we'll do. So we'll appeal and just be like, hey, let us be here today in wrestling history podcast, please. <laughs> um <laughs> Call On us. this day, January 16th of 2000, WCW presented their sold-out pay-per-view in Cincinnati, Ohio. Ooh. Shout out to Cincinnati. Sold-out was such a cool vibe for that era. Because it was, it was an NWO, wasn't it? It was an NWO presented. Even though the it was first NWO. one was, yeah. Yeah. It and was NWO, WCW unsanctioned go ahead go ahead oh that pay-per-view the initial wcw pay-per-view fucking sucked (laughs) what i'm getting at is like the fact that it was the other guys within the company like how it was presented and everything whether or not them i don't remember any of the matches but i just remember like like nick patrick basically (laughs) refereed every match (laughs) every match um it was, it just had this, like, like I said, like, there's something about a takeover. There's something about a takeover when it's done well that, um, to me is money in the bank, no pun intended. But yeah, there was just something about somebody else taking over the truck, running a pay per view. It was theirs. The other guys were scared to, to interject. There's just something about that that, like, I fondly remember. And, and I wish, there was a way to do it again without it being compared to NWO. Good luck with that. Right. So sold out 2000, which sits at a 3.63 out of 10 on cage match. And <laughs> as Kevin, I believe it's Pantoja of 411 Mania rated it as uh, according to the Wikipedia article for the event, a zero out of 10. Stating, why would any company put on a show this bad? I gotta watch it again. matches, and not one can get to two stars. Nothing on this card is redeemable, and it's the worst pay-per-view that I've ever seen. Seriously, everything on this show is bad, and most of it doesn't make sense. What was the match lineup? Do you have that handy? For Sold Out 2000, which again, is not the original Sold Out like you're thinking of. That was back in 97. Sold Out 2000. What sounds promising... Billy Kidman versus Dean Malenko as the opener. How does that one not hit? Two minutes and 36 seconds. That is how that one does not hit. <laughs> <laughs> they got the intros done and it was a quick pin. Billy Kidman went to the top rope. Who won though? Who won that match? Billy Kidman. Kidman okay. won. Okay. In a catches catch can match. Whatever the fuck that means. Catch- catchers catch can? Match number two, Vampiro defeated David Flair and Crowbar in ten and a half minutes in a handicap match. Really, really quickly, 
what's your lasting memories of Vampiro's? Like, do you remember him fondly as an in-ring worker? Oh, I thought you were going to say in general, because my favorite thing about him was the the AAA pay-per-view where he's like, play my fucking music on the headset when he was doing commentary. <laughs> yeah, right? right? And he's like 30 pounds heavier than his in-ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I loved Vampiro. There was something about him being like the 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 outsider to all the outsiders, too. Like he and I thought he was a good worker. Yeah, the WCW booking upon hindsight was pretty yeah. shit. Um, but in terms of like fond memories, it's like, yes, because his presentation was that he was cool as fuck. Yeah. At least that's my recollection as a kid. I've looked back at some other stuff and it's like, eh, it's a bit. Yeah, no fair. But he also he also like he was really coming up when Russo jumped. Yes. So that didn't help him at all. To go through the rest of this card, uh, Big Vito and Johnny the Bull defeated the Harris brothers nine and a half minutes. How did that get more time than Kidman Malenko? <laughs> Jesus wept. <laughs> Oklahoma. Uh, you know, yeah, the let's yeah. make fun of Jim Ross character defeated Medusa in two minutes and 56 seconds for the cruiserweight title cruiserweight i love the medusa that had the cruiserweight title because there was really no women's division for her to wrestle in mm-hmm. uh, at that time but to lose it to oklahoma yes okay <laughs> brian Nobbs retained the hardcore title over fit finley norman smiley and meng i love norman smiley so much <laughs> it was very good comedy at the time yes you, you ready for this Billy Kidman again defeated Perry Saturn in a bunkhouse brawl in 10 minutes. (laughs) And that didn't get that didn't get any rating either because Saturn was a good worker, too. Yeah, apparently this match was also shit in this guy's opinion. Uh, Let's see. Cage match uh, had it at a 5.62 out of 10. Okay. Um. Which was the second high third tied for the second highest rated match on the show. That could just be bad taste for the entire because that's that's match number five, four, five, six, six. Okay. Booker T defeated Stevie Ray by disqualification after six and a half minutes. Okay. Tank Abbott defeats Jerry Flynn in a minute and 39 seconds. Okay, now. You know what? Now it all connected. Tank Abbott was also Vince Russa era, which was the 2000s, which. Mm-hmm. OK, yeah, no, this this all makes sense. Buff Bagwell defeated DDP in a last man standing match. Eleven minutes. By the way, shout out to Buff Bagwell for getting clean and everything. He did the uh, the DDP. He did uh, program and everything. And sounds like he's got his uh, got his head on straight and world in the right place. <laughs> match number 10. Oh, the God. wall. That's the wall, brother. <laughs> Defeats Billy Kidman. <laughs> I wish I was joking. So Kidman so far two and one. Two and one on the night. Yeah. Lost in a caged heat match in five minutes. Was the first match? What was the the catcher can the catch as catch can catch as catch can yes oh my god was that a cage match as well that's three uh, cage I, don't, I don't know match 11 kevin really? nash defeats terry funk in eight minutes oh, it was I... a hardcore match with the winner becoming wcw commissioner had nash lost the new world order would have disbanded if only. <laughs> and the main event. Well, hold on. Was that New World Order 2000, though? Like the Jeff Jared, Bret Hart, Colin Nash? fuck if I know, my friend. <laughs> like, so, I mean, they, they, if it was, because NWO wasn't in the Vince Russo era until Jeff Jared brought the band back, got the band back together was the line. 
So they disbanded like within a week anyways, if that was the case. The main event for the vacated World Heavyweight Championship, which was guess. vacated. Billy Kidman. <laughs> no, shockingly not. And Ernest the Cat Miller. Good guesses. Um, this title, of course, was vacated due to Bret Hart's injury. Mm. Arcade the month before. Chris Benoit defeats Sid Vicious to win the WCW title. Allow me to read the aftermath section on Wikipedia. <laughs> the following night on Nitro, Benoit was stripped of the title by Arn or was stripped of the title after special referee in the match, Arn Anderson, determined that Sid's foot was under the rope when Benoit got the submission. In reality, however, Benoit left for the WWF and relinquished the title due to a management dispute. That's WCW right. then refused to recognize his reign. That's right. That was that was like the last ditch effort to to keep Benoit in WCW. I remember yeah. that. Holy crap. And there is a section right at the top of the sold out 2000 page. The match was notable because it was the last match that Benoit wrestled for WCW as he left for the WWF shortly before. Uh, there was one other um, part of this uh, of this review, essentially. I can't find uh, where it was. Um, but essentially, it was like, the hope from management was that uh, Benoit would then change his mind about leaving. He did not. <laughs> <laughs> and he would show up on WWF television as a member of the Radicals. I believe the next week or a week after that, within two weeks. So. so fun fact there, I went to one of the only nitros that crossed the border into Canada. And it mm -hmm. was after the Vancouver pay-per-view, which I believe was a mayhem. WCW That's mayhem. Better. And uh, I actually took a sign that said, where's Benoit? <laughs> 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 like you're in Canada and he's Canadian. Like, uh, it was, um, Kelowna, Kelowna, British Columbia, home of the Rockets of the Western Hockey League. We can talk, we can talk hockey on this podcast, right? Seeing as how your other podcast, Toogie Steak, talks wrestling every once in a while that turns into golf chat. Yeah, that was, uh, that was the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also on this day, 2005 TNA wrestling. Hmm presented their final resolution pay-per-view in which uh, they had one of their biggest booking uh, pitfalls as Jeff Jarrett defeated the alpha male Monty Brown in the main event of the pay-per-view to a chorus of booze <laughs> because it was Jeff Jarrett winning in the main event. That's Isn't that kind of no, no, what is it? What's the word I'm trying to look for here? Like timely, notable, based. Wasn't Monty Brown on AEW Dark this past no. week? Who was that? Are you Good sure? Question. Yeah. Huh? Are you sure? Do I'm I know something about AEW that you don't know? He hasn't wrestled in years. Go check out AEW Dark. There's no fucking way he would have wrestled on an episode of Dark and I wouldn't have heard about it. So I don't know who you're confusing the alpha male Monty Brown with. I don't appreciate it. Get sitting here, getting my hopes up. He has not had a match since 2007, sir. I demand an apology. Hold on. Well, then who am I thinking of? I don't fucking know. Uh, AEW dark. Results. We're not doing this. I oh, wanted really? to shout out. Uh, what was the real fucking main event of this pay-per-view, by the way? Which was AJ Styles defeating Petey Williams and Chris Sabin in an Ultimate X match. That was fantastic. We we were talking about Willie Mack, right? He, yes, totally. The <laughs> same person. <laughs> Don't you say it. I will apologize. It was an honest mistake. I'm going to chug the rest of my Mountain Dew pitch black as a punishment. <laughs> it's the Mountain Dew that's gotten to you, I swear. Yeah. I swear. Uh, also... On an episode of Raw 2006 uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina, Edge defeated Ric Flair in a TLC match to retain the WWE title. My God, my timeline today. We are recording this on Martin Luther King Day. 
Yes. And the uh the human rights character Edge. What were they calling him? Like the like he used to have a character where no matter what city he was in, he would just absolutely dunk on the city uh due to like like one was Washington back when they had the Redskins as their uh football uh team. Like he could not wrestle in a town that uh supported such a racist name. Uh what was the other one? Um uh, yeah, just the the human rights edge character where no matter what situation he got in, he got out of it because he was more concerned about human rights than he was about getting into a ring with John Cena. <laughs> I saw that <laughs> clip circulating on Twitter. I didn't watch it though, in fairness. Oh my god, I just went to Twitter and the uh the Ninja Turtles. You remember the Ninja Turtle <laughs> when they tried the Ninja Turtle characters? No. Oh, uh, okay, second turnbuckle, uh, 2ND turnbuckle on Twitter. I will retweet this, and it'll be on the uh, the Twitter. I'll send it to you here right away so you can see it instead of waiting two days for this to get onto the interweb. I am, I am afraid of what that beverage is doing to your brain. No, this is a thing. This was not from my brain. I'm, I'm still afraid. Still afraid. Also on this day, 2009, after a 16-year career with the WWE, Hardcore Holly was released from the company. I think he's still wrestling. I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) I still think he is hard-chopping, entitled young wrestlers somewhere. Bob (sighs) Sparkplug Holly. What a guy. This was... Right at the end of his run, I remember he was teaming with Cody Rhodes. Yeah. Yeah. And then um Yeah, Cody turned on him to side with Ted DiBiase Jr. Ooh. That was the beginning of the legacy stable in a sense, once they would eventually join up with the likes of Randall Orton. It's amazing to see some of those stables too, because like, wasn't it um Haku's son uh, was oh, in the stable to start. Manu. Manu was in there for like two weeks. And then all of a sudden he wasn't and they didn't address it. Nothing happened. He wasn't written off. He just didn't show up anymore. And it was only a, a threesome. Yeah. So he. um, God, there was also. A, a time where. Jimmy Snuka's son, who went on to be a part of Deuce and Domino, um, nearly joined the group as well. Which, uh, what what a world. What a world. Well, even look at, really quickly, even look at, like, Evolution. That was supposed to be uh, O'Hare, wasn't it? Uh, Mark Jindrak. Jindrak, that's right. It was Jindrak instead of uh, Randy Orton. And they just didn't like the fit and booted him out like they filmed the promos and everything like that and it just wasn't the right vibe kicked him out and uh brought randy orton in and our final note tell me you've seen the the ninja turtle video yet i have and yes wrestling ninja turtles is (laughs) it's a thing they they throw great drop kicks yep our final note on this day in 2014 TNA Wrestling taped two special editions of Impact under the Genesis name. Most notably, the event was the final night in the company for Sting. So there you go, a little bit topical, talking about how his AEW run is going to end at some point this year. And on this date, in 2014, his nine, actually his 11-year tenure from 2003 to 2014 in TNA slash Impact Wrestling came to an end. So I'm I'm gonna because we we got like maybe five minutes, right? God, hopefully less. <laughs> I'm gonna ask you the same question I because Sting was the catalyst. Uh, also seeing a clip of Doink, but do you think Doink, or do you think that might be a longer conversation, maybe for next one? Do you think Doink, based on, uh, I thought like the Dark Knight and 
uh, what we've seen of the Joker in movies and everything like that, I think a evil clown would actually get over more now than it did back in the late 80s, early 90s. It's tough to say because I think, you know, we've had some people who have been close to it. And, you know, speaking of Sting and his kind of end of TNA run, he very much went down the Heath Ledger character route. And um, I think most people would describe it as beautifully bad. I didn't mind it. I enjoyed it, but inherently it was just Steve Borden doing you know, an impression yeah. of Heath Ledger. But it was it was something to get him out of kind of, and I mean, he's done well going back to it, but like the crow sting. But he talks more, obviously, over the last little bit. Um, I don't know. I think just like a an evil clown would... Like I saw the clip of Doink with his arm in a sling giving a flower to Crush. And as Crush <laughs> turned around, he pulled his arm and it was like prosthetic and beat the crap out of him. With the prosthetic arm, beat the crap out of uh, Crush. Mm-hmm. I, there's just something about that. I'm like, I think it's time for an evil clown in professional wrestling again. I don't know what it is, but that's uh, that's it. That's that's I'm, all I'm I want to bring up it. just to fill some time. I'm here for I'm here for someone to try. It's... Let's get another evil clown out there uh, wrestling. <laughs> now is the time. Now I'm on like the... It didn't taste very sugary, but uh, apparently there is, because now I'm on like the sugar down. And we were I, exhausted to start, so... I don't know what that drink has done to you, sir, but I highly <laughs> recommend you do not drink the other one. <laughs> no, no, I'm giving this one, the next one to my kids. This has been... <laughs> Closer to a scientific experiment do not, as opposed to a podcast. Do not drink pitch black Mountain Dew. It's not, I don't, it's not bussin' as my kids would say. A negative review unless they would like to sponsor the podcast in which we will and it also was pour ourselves holy, out. Holy crap was it. It makes me want to wrestle a match before Bray Wyatt. It makes me want to wrestle Bray Wyatt. Yeah. In the dark. Where no one can see. Mountain Dew. Pitch black. Catch the wave. Feel the fever. (laughs) Tubi, where can people find you on the interwebs? Oh, God. Right now they can't because I'm going to bed. I I need a nap after this. Um, Yeah, everywhere. At Tubi24, the Twitch, the YouTubes, the TikToks, all the fun stuff. I, I Every once in a while upload something on TikTok because I just can't bring myself to take it seriously, even though I should. But yeah, Tubi24. It's a, it's a brand. It's a lifestyle. Mountain Dew Pitch Black. <laughs> <laughs> we're really milking this thing it was god it was not good it was really not good uh you can find me at crash andrews basically everywhere except for the failure that is elon musk's <laughs> twitter which you can find me at crash underscore andrews uh i don't really post anything and uh, this is basically all i do now as far as content is so just keep listening to this podcast and the Tugi take podcast Available now, wherever you find your <laughs> Mountain Dew Pitch Black. It's right on the shelf, right next right to uh, right yeah. next to whatever the fuck they're calling Sierra Mist now. Man, we didn't have Sierra Mist in, in Canada. No? No. What was Sierra Mist? Like, what was it close to? It was like Sprite. It was the Sprite competitor. Gotcha. And yeah, PepsiCo has renamed uh, Sierra Mist to starry s-t-a-r-r-y what maybe the worst name for a soda i've ever heard in my life it sounds like a match that billy kidman would wrestle in starry on a pole match (sighs) we're really tired at this point (laughs) this this is borderline a mistake (laughs) <laughs> do you have a Heenan quote to send us out of here or was that the Heenan quote 
No, 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 no. Uh, he was watching a doink match. This is a borderline mistake. <laughs> uh, I, uh, doink was amazing, though. Be honest. He was he was a very interesting character. Uh, I will give end, you that. He was. To end the show, you know, we talked to the little Cody Rhodes today, so why not pay tribute to the absolute legend that is his father, Dusty? Uh, Bobby Heenan says, Dusty Rhodes and Sapphire, they're a lovely twosome, or threesome, or foursome, or 25th-some. Good night, everybody.